Attention shoppers, there are a wide variety of Crossrip items available in the gift shop. Sweatshirts, smartphone covers, an exclusive t-shirt designed by Dapper Dan Shonen of IDW Comics fame, and more on the way. All proceeds go towards our servers, so this remains the only ad you hear on the show. Go to GhostbustersHQ.net slash shop to get yours today. I like that shirt, friend. Hey there, Ghostbusters fans, and welcome to the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Cross-Rip Podcast for the week of February 24th, 2020. This week on the show, we have an excerpt from Hasbro's amazing presentation at Toy Fair uh, in New York City. Uh, all of their announcements, including the Plasma series and a uh, Spangler Neutrona wand. Uh, very cool stuff, so we're going to play that. Uh, we have an excellent discussion topic in the second half of the show, the imperfections of Ghostbusters. Stay tuned. It's a, it's a long but fun one. Still Playing With Toys presents The Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossroad, the biggest podcast since 1909. So free. News, interviews, and commentary on everything Ghostbusters. Are you the keymaster? Here are your hosts, Troy Benjamin and Chris Stewart. You know, it's just occurred to me we really haven't had a completely successful test of this equipment. Oh, we have fun. Woo! Uh, what's the line from Airheads? Uh, if it's too loud, you're too old. You're getting too old. Yeah, basically something like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> am I am I wrong? Uh, no, it is the kids who are wrong. Yeah, it is, yeah. Exactly. <clears throat> uh, uh, what? Uh, I I put this in the rundown because I saw the uh, was that on your Instagrams or your Facebooks or somewhere uh, something about your decals being stolen off the back of your car. What my faces books? Yeah. No, what it's happened? um, I uh. <laughs> <laughs> How do I do this in a non-visual format? Uh, Brandon Bird, if everybody's familiar with the the artist, pop artist, that's a good way to describe him, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, people might accidentally, if they don't know the name, might accidentally know of him because um, he did, uh, you know, the the back window family stickers. Right. Right. He did one called uh, the Nuclear Family. It, but instead of a family family, it's the four Ghostbusters and Slimer. But it's right. done that yeah. style, right? And I had one of those, I think, on my old, my old Saab. Uh, but when I when I moved up to the uh, the seven seater family vehicle, uh, in one of my last bursts of, of creative energy, that's not true. I'm sure if I was well rested and had all the time in the world. My creativity would be fine, but it turns out having a kid, you know, all that really eats at it. Amen. But, it's all out the window. But, but I, I had a, a moment where what I did is I uh, went, he did others too. He did uh, Mad Max Fury Road, but he did one for, I don't even know if he had the stickers printed. A lot of the times he does the art, and depending on people's reaction, then he goes about doing something with it. But uh, I don't think he, the Mad Max Fury Road, he might not have made stickers. Didn't get it, produced. But, yeah. But it turned out between the, the, what's the term for the, uh, uh, those, I don't know, the handmaids or the women or the whatever that uh, uh, they uh, were protecting in, in Fury Road. Did he even have a, a name the for Furio- them? Well, Furiosa and then the, yeah, what were Furiosa his? and Mad Max were, were yeah, but you know, uh, anyways. Yeah, yeah. He, they, and they're, they're the ones wearing, you know, everybody else is all leathered and spiked up and all that. They're the ones wearing gowns and all that sort of thing. So, uh, plus, uh, <laughs> 
Uh, let's put it this way. It, there was enough pieces from all of those characters that I was able to alter and tweak and build one that uh, bears a shocking resemblance to my wife. I didn't think I'd be able to pull it off because I had to redo the hair and everything. But my wife and also Dana as Zool, like... Um, so basically, I made my own nuclear family. So I took one of the Ghostbusters bodies, but I kind of reworked a head, which is tricky That's because one of the things it all together into your it all family. together, right? Yeah. Well, because because the 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 bodies came from the 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 nuclear family one, but he did a lot more work on the faces in the Fury Road. So I was able to like, you know, take Mad Max's head, which had more. I don't know, expressive's not the right word, but definitely more to it than just sort of like these abstracty ones that the Ghostbuster guys had. You know, put the beard on, subtracted some hair off the top of the head and all that. Then I went and I found myself a shot of uh, a Kenner uh, Stay Puffed, and I like shrank him down and traced it and blew up the head, and I, I inserted a face so basically it looks like Thomas dressed as, uh, as Stay Puffed. So I made my own Ghostbusters nuclear family sticker for the back of the car. This was three years ago, something like that. Yeah. Anyways, it's it's a window sticker. I think the type I got was not quite right, uh, the type of sticker I got. Because over a couple of years, uh, like the air pockets that I didn't uh, think were there of, yeah, started to develop bubble and, and fall bubble up. And, yeah. and then, of course, you go. Th- it's rainy here all the time, which means if you give it any purchase, rain gets in there. That causes problems. And then you go through some winters and there's... Fr- Anyways, at some point, uh, a, a piece got a real good bubble in it. And s- over the space of a week, I'd come out and, like, it'd be ripped. And then I'd come, you know, I'd <laughs> come back the next time and somebody had ripped the piece off. Finally. Just by the end of it, it, they had taken it all off. I was like, <laughs> well, thank you. That's I guess so we- I'm trying to picture somebody in the middle of the night just coming up to your car and being like, I'm going to peel that sticker off that guy's window. Well, I live in a townhouse estate, which means people walk around the driveways a lot, right? Yeah. The shared driveway. So they walk right past the back end of my car. It's not like they have to walk into my lot or anything like that. My lot is, you know, part of the common property and, and, and the back of the, the vehicle is right there. So it's fairly easy for somebody to just go by and their OCD kicks in or something. But anyways, it's been missing for a few months. And anyways, I got around to reordering it and then reapplying it to my, um, to the back of my vehicle. Uh, how far, again, yeah, I saw that and I was like, who, who steals a sticker? Who steals I don't it think they were stealing it. But it was just yeah. mainly them trying to, you know, oh, that thing's already hanging. I'm going to peel that off. Uh, basically, yeah. It, very, it feels very a lot kind like somebody. Canadian vandalism is basically <laughs> did, what it amounts to. So. Like, oh, that guy needs help. I'm going to do that for him. The trouble is, is that I, I, I drive a, a Dodge Journey, which is one of the single most common vehicles in the road right now. Oh, uh, interesting. Uh, and uh, my wife always complains. It's like, I can never, like, we, we park at malls and all that. And she's like, I can never figure out which one's the car. <laughs> now the sticker's gone. So, so the sti- I put the yeah, sti- the sticker's the idea. The sticker's got to stay, right? Yeah, yeah right. Oh, it's, and it's, it's one of those things I, we talked about. Like, it's one of those, um, uh, I think it was the, uh, we may not have talked about it, but I think I kind of covered it in the, the Ghostbusters Home Shopping Network, the idea of the, the unique, the one-off, the uh, outsider art. Yeah, the, the the crypto fan stuff, the stuff that not everybody can get their hands on, and this is a good example. It's it's me. I got the one of the kind, and not only that, I can make it for somebody else, but it doesn't suit them because 
Right, you not, you tailored it to your family. That's uh, that yeah. that shows you care too. It's everybody else puts the stick family up there, and it's like, well, that's the dad, that's the mom, that's my kid. I got it. Uh, give give me two hours and a nap, and maybe I'll do you. You don't know. <laughs> I was gonna say, uh, is the nap two hours, or is the two hours the time that's being spent on the labor? Oh because no, the I two could hours use is a two hour nap. That sounds wonderful. <laughs> the two hours is what it'll take to do it. The best part is, is it's so. Like the faces are so, not even stylized, but just simplified that frankly with, I think I might revisit like the mouth and the nose off of some of the other Fury Road figures. Yeah. But without any other changes, it it would be your wife, right? Do you know what I mean? Like it's, these these things literally are... 10% of the people they're supposed to represent. Oh, and But but ends up being more familiar to the people that we know in our, our lives. That's funny. Yes. But you, I would put more work into, like, and then and then same thing, right? Like, uh, if I did a little Slimer or a little Stay Puffed, it, it's just got a little a little kid face in it, I was right? Say, like, you, need, you need, like, a child's <laughs> face and uh, some some patchy uh, uh, facial hair, and you're good. That's about it. Yeah, That's all you need I will. Yeah. I, yeah, there you go. A, ch- a child's <laughs> face. A terrible no, vision. Child's, the child's face is for your child, not you. Uh, Although now that you mention it, I could I'll, I'll imbue it with some sort of. I'm going to do it now. I'm going right. to. I'm going to write. I'm going to pencil in. Have a nap. Have a nap, and two hours later, and then and then get up and <laughs> make for uh, Troy. I love it. I love it. Um, well, let's do this, Mr. Stewart. Uh, while you're uh, planning out and plotting your nap here, uh, we'll do some news. Uh, it's a very short news segment uh, because, well, we'll get into that in a second. But then we have a yeah. fun discussion topic, which we alluded to last week that I'm, I'm excited to get into. Sure. I think we finally have the preparation that we need for it because we solicited you guys' this help. Oh, man, why didn't I think of this years ago? If we just ask you guys for user-generated content, this show is so much easier. Anyway, here's the news. Hey guys, Peter. I have some news from the world of Gozer. I got some pretty cool stuff cooking up over here if you want to turn your head. Multiplanar curly and emanation. Now, well, here's your next month's cover of GQ. Check out the aura on this sucker. So, yes, obviously, uh, this is going to be a quick one because uh, Toy Fair is the big story, and we are recording the Wednesday prior to Toy Fair. Um, so, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into it in a second. Uh, I have, I have a plan fear not. Uh, but you know, there are, you know, uh, Funko is starting to post up their solicitations for, for what they're calling their Ghostbusters three, uh, line, um, you know, all all just things for their retailers. And of course, Hasbro's big presentation is on Saturday, which uh, is coming up in a second here. So uh, if you're tuning in for all the, the toy fair news that happened this weekend, um, we are not, unfortunately, clairvoyants, and we don't have that information uh, recording here on Wednesday. So uh, next week next week is your week when you can hear anything and everything that was released. We'll talk about it. We'll unpack it. We'll dissect it. Uh, but this week, we're still sort of speculating, which is kind of a bummer, but uh, kind of nice. It's, it's, kind of di- it's kind of fun to be in this space where it's the calm before the storm. And the news segment is like one bullet point, and that's it at the moment. But... Uh, so yeah, so fear not. Um, so the only news item that I had on here, Chris was, and multiple people sent it to us, this big, bad toy store. Uh, and I think we've mentioned it on the air, the fine art prints that they're doing now, the 
$150 for, I think it's like six or eight of the still photos, almost like lobby cards from uh, the original film. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I mean, I guess it's, it's you're paying for the high quality uh, uh, museum quality print and it being mounted on uh, this awesome uh, frame. And then I'm guessing you can go get it signed and then it's worth a whole bunch more. But yeah, what's the diameter? Like what diameter? What's the dimensions? Uh, they're big too. I think they're. Like, I don't have them in front of me, but they're like. Words I know. They're like eleven by thirteens or something like that. They're. Oh, they're well, that's not super big. That's, fairly sizable, yeah. but you know, big, is, bigger than a five by seven, bigger than an eight by ten. Yeah. Well, it, but not quite eleven by seventeen, which is actually a cool. Yeah. Um, so I I should have pulled it back up here, but I, I it was one of those things that uh, <clears throat> two or three people sent to us, um, and and a hat tip to you for doing so. I kind of looked at that and I was like, well, I, I don't have the, yes, have some war chest of money that they keep talking about in every episode. What am I going to pay for a $150 photo uh, for? But I, I certainly understand the people that do have their, uh, their downstairs rec room basements where you want to put this yep. behind your, your wet bar or whatever you've got your pool table. I, it's, it's maybe not something for me, but I, I, I get it. It's fun. At $150, uh, properly framed, um, yeah, eleven by thirteen. Yeah, I'd say that's like a sixty, seventy dollar. Like if it's a quality framing, and then as you say, it's like a you know, an attention to detail archival print. Uh, and then you gotta factor in a little bit of licensing. Yeah, one fifty yeah. is not too wildly you, far off. Oh my goodness. All right. So hold on. I, I need to correct myself already. So this is where you say it's 350 bucks. Well, there is, there is a Ghostbusters Ecto one limited edition framed art print that is $300. It's the Ooh. shot of the four guys in front of the Ectomobile, uh, estimated to arrive March, 2020. Um, and it is 11 by 14 small. Oh, it comes in three sizes. Oh, the small is sold out. I see. So the medium is the only one that you can buy, and it's 16 by 20. Okay, so. Mm. And that's the $300 one? And that's the $300 one. So. Yeah. Again, that kind of makes sense. But so do you, if you get these signed, does that mm-hmm. increase the value or does it diminish yes. the value of something like this? Okay. Increases. So it's okay to get a, a scribble or two on there and you're good. Yeah. I, like It's, it's kind of like saying, for example, uh, I took uh, Now Comics Real Ghostbusters number one to FanFest and I got Maurice LaMarche and Dave Coulier to sign it. Somebody has scribbled on the cover. Does that decrease the value? <laughs> no. It turns out I've gotten the guys who voiced two of the characters to sign the cover. Uh, now, that's not a super fair comparison because uh, issue one of Real Ghostbusters by Now Comics, not exactly a high-priced comic item but the point is is that whereas you could get a really mint copy of it for 10 bucks if if the you know the people who drew it uh like if uh you know ooh, that's something i never did you know if i'd grab it and i i run across the water there to victoria and and <laughs> two in the morning and banging on ken stacy's door <laughs> ken stacy come out here and sign sign Give your cover this. A signature. Um, He's like, who are yeah. you? What? Do I need to call it, it, the it cops? It, it only goes up, right? So yeah. same thing here. This is They're nice photos and all that, and they definitely... I, I mean, get, I wonder if yeah. you're ruining it. I mean, because it is. it says, so their description here says that they're individually numbered and presented with a unique certificate of authenticity. They're developed uh-huh. using the chromogenic print process and printed on archival quality paper. 
The print is hand-framed in black wood, comes with acid-free matting and hinging, is protected by UV acrylic to prevent fading, and it's sold uh-huh. ready to hang. I put Sharpie on that. Doesn't that, you know, it kind of undoes 90% of what they're trying to do here. The acid free. Uh, what are you, what are you afraid it, it's going to avoid the warranty? Like I don't, I, I don't quite. know. I'm I'm just, I'm thinking, you well, know, this is fine here's art. The thing. They're treating this like fine art. And if I and uh, am tangentially they, related to uh, Picasso and I go up and I sign yeah. a Picasso, I've totally screwed that up. Well, okay. They're overselling it a little bit, right? Like frankly, there's any number of ways any of us could get a really nice photo print made. Like, not we're not running it down to London Drugs on their little kiosk <laughs> digital print machine or whatever. We can. Yeah. I have. I have thirty five. I have thirty five millimeter print of the um, of the trailers. Like, we could scan and clean up and get really nice. Well, thirty five. But again, we're only bringing it up to eleven by thirteen. Apparently, yeah. go get a nice print of it. I take it someplace and I give them like a hundred bucks to like you know, frame it, <laughs> you know, like any, a guy with uh, white gloves delivers white, it to your house. Exactly. He waxes that's, your car on the way out. That all um, makes sense. But the, 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 the trick is, is that if somebody came in the, like, like they doodled, you know, like a, 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 a devil's mustache and horns <laughs> on Peter Venkman, yeah, you have it better just be Bill screwed Murray it up. Who did that. But yeah. exactly. But if Bill Murray does it, the price goes up. It's, yeah, then it's, it's worth just the, one of those weird it's things. Priceless. Anyway, uh, so I, it, I don't. I don't get to sign like you know the statue of David. But we're if we had a time machine, and we got the original artist, and I say that now because I'm I'm was it Michelangelo? Who did the Vinci? What? Michelangelo is David. I don't know. David Da Vinci's David. David. I'd, uh, yeah, maybe and it was Da Vinci. Was he the? Was which turtle was he? He was know. the one with the bow staff. No, no, no. He <laughs> historically, was the one with the, historically, the Da Vinci was the tur- Da Vinci was the turtle who really liked guys. <laughs> so it probably was him. But anyways, the point is, is no. If you get people involved with whatever's being. How would I? This is a really weird one. You've opened up a can of worms that I really want to wander down, and I don't think we should. If, for example, oh man, like for example, Matisse and all that, like really small sign their thing. Like I don't know. Like if you could, if if I, I don't even know who hot artist, whoever the equivalent of a Matisse or a Magritte or whatever these days did a, a painting, and even though, it, and you then ran up, you you bought it and ran up to them at. I don't know the premiere of Men in Black Four or something because because they got this is my hypothetical situation. You run with it, but you run up to them and you <laughs> say, "Please sign it." Surreal. What is Matisse it, doing at the Men in Black Four premiere? They whip out that nobody's going to believe that I'm actually not that tired. If I tell, I'm feeling better than I have in the past episodes. They're like, "No, you're still gone." Um, and you ask them to like sharpie it. Well, yeah, that kind of does screw it over. I but but in the case, this is a print, and the thing is, is there's the thing. There's duplicates of them. Um, they have a nice value and quality attached to them to start with. But getting somebody to then sign it just brings it up because it is a it. The photo itself, the print itself, is just a reproduction of something else, like another photo. That yeah, it's not an original. Formats. Yeah. So I think you're okay. If you tell me this was like a rhetorical question, I am. You're doing the rest of the episode by yourself. That was totally rhetorical. I, uh, you know what? Um, Finish it, dude. 
it, so, so yeah, I mean, bottom mean. line, it's uh, I, they look wonderful. They sound very elaborate and very meticulously yeah. done. And if that's your that's your thing, uh, do it. I mean, if you've got an awesome collection of of screen used props, if you're Jeffrey Shrek and you've got the museum going, absolutely, you need this hanging on the wall next to uh, uh, your your collection. But uh, for me. Um, I, I, I got nothing. Yeah, nothing. I will spend my money on whatever Hasbro has in store for us. That's where I'm going to spend my money. <laughs> uh, so here's, here's what I'm going to do. Uh, yes. so I'm going to leave a space here because so toy fair, uh, Saturday, they're going to be doing a live stream. Uh, Hasbro's, uh, pulse Facebook page is doing a live stream, but by the time you hear this, it's going to be old news because it will have already live streamed. Everybody and their grandmother is going to post uh, videos and photos and uh, Jason on Ghostbusters News is going to have a full breakdown. Um, so I, I'm just going to put a, a little excerpt of the live stream here and then next week uh, we can talk about it. And that way you, if you haven't for whatever reason heard all of the news uh, from Hasbro's presentation, uh, you will now hear that. And then next week, Chris and I will talk uh, more in depth about it. And then on the tail end of the Hasbro live stream excerpt, uh, Chris and I are going to get into our discussion topic, the imperfections of Ghostbusters. So certainly stick with us because it's going to be a lot of fun on the flip side. Right? Here Anyone we go. get a chance to grab the Ghostbusters collab? A couple, right? All right, so what better brand to follow us then than Ghostbusters? Ghostbusters. All right, so we're going to get out of here and turn it over to the Ghost Crew, Ghost Corps. All right, see you guys. All right, very nice. So there's only one question. Who are you going to call? That's right. Please welcome Tom and Kevin to talk about Ghostbusters. Go. <laughs> All right. All right. How's everyone doing? Ready to bust some ghosts? Yes. I'm uh, Tom Warner, Senior Vice President, Franchises at Hasbro. I'm Kevin Evans. I'm the design lead on the Ghostbusters line. We are thrilled to be here today to discuss something that is really near and dear to the hearts of both of our hearts, and obviously that is Ghostbusters. Now, 2020 is a massive year for the franchise. We've got a lot of frighteningly cool new toys and collectibles to show off to you today, both inspired by the original Ghostbusters of the 80s and the new Ghostbusters Afterlife feature film coming to theaters this July. So let's get to it, Kevin. All right. All right. So, you know, oh, I'm sorry, Tom. You keep going. <laughs> yeah. So in yet. Now, many of you may know, not know this. But Hasbro has a long history with Ghostbusters, dating back to the glory days of Saturday morning cartoons and ghostly green juice boxes. Remember those? Created in, there we go, created in 1986, the real Ghostbusters haunted shelves in playrooms across the world for many years. Now, as a child of the 80s myself, nothing quite brings back the nostalgia and the excitement of that era quite like the real Ghostbusters figures from Kenner. Now, I'd love to say that I had every single one of them when I was a kid. Unfortunately, I didn't, but I was savvy enough to be friends with the kid in the neighborhood that had all of them, every last one, <laughs> even the fire station. So I am excited to announce, for all of you that missed out when you were kids, or maybe your mom threw away your box of your Kenner Real Ghostbusters figures, we are launching a refresh of the first wave of the Real Ghostbusters figures from Kenner. They're going to be available. Yeah. Yes. Thanks. All right. <laughs> 
They're going to be available for pre-order beginning at 4 p.m. Eastern Time from Walmart. All the great characters are back. Egon with his beautiful coiffed of hair, Peter Vankman, Ray, Winston, and of course, the iconic Stay Puft Marshmallow <laughs> Man. Yeah. And... Uh, Green Ghost is what he was originally referred to, but we all know affectionately, yes, he is Slimer. You guys got it. Our goal was to design these figures to look and feel just like you guys remember them. The packaging's inspired by the original. They've got the mini ghost figures, the proton packs. They don't have that musty basement smell, unfortunately, but the get opening the these boxes are going to take you back in time. <laughs> so as I mentioned, 2020 is a very exciting year for Ghostbusters franchise. Ivan Reitman, the original creator of Ghostbusters, is actually passing the baton to his son, Academy Award winner, Golden Globe winning filmmaker Jason Reitman. Now, no Ghostbusters chat would be complete without them. So, Kevin, let's try something here. <laughs> let's close our eyes. All right. Think of something we loved. Okay. Loved from our childhood, Kevin. Think, buddy. Think. All right. Something that could never, ever possibly destroy us. Okay. Well, anyway, let me uh, introduce Jason and Ivan Reitman. Hi guys. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> We're selling toys here today. Okay. Welcome guys. Now, Ivan, we're all here today because of the amazing story and the amazing world you created with the original Ghostbusters. So a big thank you from us and all the fans out there. And it probably goes without saying, the Ghostbusters fan community is amazing. You bet. Yeah. So what is it about them that you think brings people together like this? And what in the movie really inspired that? Look, uh, we were very lucky. We had these amazing actors and writers who joined together to become the Ghostbusters. And I think audiences really were taken with the spirit of togetherness, that they helped each other, that they made each other laugh, they made us laugh. <laughs> and there's something really special about just... Wanting to be, have them as friends and being like them and hoping that they could, that you could join a club very much like it. And I think that had a lot to do with it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, Jason. I'd just like to point out that you and I apparently came in our costumes today. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> We need to buy new clothes. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. So, Jason. Yeah. Sorry, that's really funny. Um, now that the torch has been passed to you, how have you handled the fan response? You know, and it's just starting. You've released one trailer. How are you handling all this? I mean, I, I kind of feel like I've just made a fan film. I, you know, I, I grew up a huge Ghostbusters fan. I was around six years old on the set. And I couldn't have ever thought then, nor if you had asked me five years ago, am I ever going to get the chance to make a Ghostbusters uh, movie? So I, I, I honestly consider myself one of the Ghostbusters fans, and that, that's how I've always seen making this movie. Awesome. Awesome. Now, Kevin, I think we have some more to share. We do. No, I, I, I mean, the original Ghostbusters team that you put together was iconic, to say the least, to put it very mildly. And we knew that in order to service this Ghostbusters fandom, 
that we were going to have to reach into to all the experience that we've developed here at Hasbro over the years to make the most premium action figures of the original Ghostbusters. And we're calling this our Ghostbusters Plasma Series. Oops. Well, <laughs> yeah, well, then, you know, our good... Nope, oh, nope. Oh, oh, there, there it is. There it is. The button that says back goes backwards. Who knew? So, <laughs> our Ghostbusters Plasma series, the original Ghostbusters cast. Let's take a look at him, guys. He collects molds, spores, and fungus. You know him. And now you can collect him, Dr. Egon Spangler. Comes with his proton pack and Neutrona one, as do all the Ghostbusters figures, and he comes with his PKE meter. Mm. So, Ooh. listen, you smell something? <laughs> it can't be. It is. It's Ray Stance. Uh, Ray comes with his plasma uh, pl proton pack, rather, and his his ecto goggles. Human sacrifice. Dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Yeah. Dr. Peter Bankman. Dr. Bankman, of course, comes with a ghost trap. And if there's a steady paycheck in it, this guy will believe anything. And you better believe that we made a Winston Zedmore figure. Showing off his flexibility and articulation there. But Winston comes with a proton stream that uh, attaches to the end of the neutrona wand, so you can pose him out. <laughs> so this next figure, we didn't just aim for perfection, we aimed for the flat top. <laughs> it is Gozer the Gozerian. Yeah, she looks great. <laughs> uh, the next one's interesting because uh, she uh, sleeps four feet above her covers. She drools, <laughs> she barks, <laughs> claws. Dana Barrett. <laughs> <clears throat> and we are, oh, I'm sorry. Every dog has its day. <laughs> And if you collect all six of these figures, this dog can have his day. This is our build a ghost figure, the terror dog. Look at that. Awesome. Guy. <laughs> so excited to announce these are available for pre-order now for Hasbro Pulse Premium members until 4 p.m., after which time they're available to all Hasbro Pulse members and participating retailers. So thank awesome. you, guys. Our Plasma Great. Series. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. Now, Jason, I can't tell you how excited I am for the new film, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Now, this must you be and a me both. <laughs> you're in the midst of it. I know you're editing it away. Um, now, this must be a project for you of a lifetime. Being literally, you were the first Ghostbusters fan. Hmm. That correct? Um, so you're treading on some sacred ground that your father set up. So how do you feel about this? Was there a lot of pressure going into the filming? It's absolutely terrifying. <laughs> Imagine having your father with you at work every single day, <laughs> sitting next to you, watching every decision you make, piping up, maybe uh, chiming in. Uh, it was incredible. Uh, scary, but thrilling, and uh, the filmmaking experience of a lifetime. I think it's a director's guild first. I don't know. I don't think any director has ever made a movie with his father sitting next to him at monitor the entire shoot. That's great. And is there anything, Jason, in the movie you wanted to include or didn't want to include from the Ghostbusters, the originals, as you thought about it? I mean, well, I'm not going to give things away. <laughs> oh. but, uh, look, uh, if you've seen the trailer, I'm sure a couple of you have seen the trailer. Um, and 
you can already see that there is a lot layered in. My writing partner, Gil Kennan, and I, the entire time we wrote the script, uh, I think, again, we felt like kids, you know, uh, sitting there uh, with the, the laptop out, writing the script, thinking about people eventually watching this movie, re-watching the original over and over, and just trying to find as many Easter eggs as possible that we could find a way to put in this film. That's great. That's great. Now, Ivan, what was it like for you to watch your son take over the reins of Ghostbusters? It, it was a wonderful experience, believe it or not. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> and very emotional. I, I mean, I, I found myself welling up really uh, almost... Uh, every couple of days where there was just something that sort of reminded me of what it was like 35 years ago and then seeing sort of Jason so beautifully sort of um, take this story to a kind of a whole new height and it was thrilling. Really, thank you, Jason. Awesome. I was always worried that crying meant something else. And I got to say, you know, you guys have been such such wonderful wonderful partners through this whole thing. And one of the highlights was our trip to visit the set. And it was an amazing experience and invaluable to help us build out the line. You know, we got to meet the cast. We got to see the sets that were built. But if I'm being totally honest, for me, the biggest highlight was actually the prop trailer and getting to hold all the actual props, getting to see them in real life, uh, not the least of which the Neutrona one, my goodness. Uh, but... I, I saw that big case over there, and am I being too hopeful? I'm just going straight to the airport from here. I... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. well, we all got our hopes up then. Do <laughs> you mind if we take a peek? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> no such luck. Make <laughs> oh, sure I grab yeah. the right one. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Awesome. There it is. Right. <laughs> you want to stay on this one? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the actual Neutrona one. Now, Jason, it, it seems like... How does this work? <laughs> <laughs> it seems a little different than the last time we saw it. Has, has it undergone some changes in the past 35 years? Well, in approaching this film, we had to imagine, you know, what has happened to a proton pack uh, over 35 years? You know, what does the effect of ghost busting look like? Uh, so it became about age, and that was our approach to everything on the movie. Then when we looked at Ecto-1, we looked at the flight suits, we tried to, uh, you know, really imagine how this stuff, uh, you know, played in the world over time. And as you see, there's little elements uh, on this proton pack, obviously, you know, the taped over grip, the wooden handle, all the scratches, the nicks. Um, we wanted this movie to be as authentic as humanly possible and tried to approach it in a filmmaking way that was similar to 1984. In J4, when you made this movie, uh, you used all practical effects and things were made real. And we tried to do it the exact same way. It, it had a do-it-yourself kind of feel to it. We always felt somehow these guys are geniuses. They built it in a basement somewhere, <clears throat> and here it is. Yeah, yeah. Ghostbusters has always been a—it's um, been a franchise about makers, about scientists, about you know geniuses, and ever all the equipment. You had to feel the well, you know, feel the welds on it, and see where they actually put these things together. That is fantastic, and I'll tell you, we were inspired, and I think this is a good time. Uh, we couldn't let you guys have all the fun, so uh, we went ahead and made our own. Back. 
And we'd like to use this opportunity to introduce our plasma series, Spangler's Neutrona Wand. So our design team, our engineers, everybody worked hand in hand with you guys, your prop, your prop team, to make sure that this thing looked and felt just like the real thing. Mm -hmm. We've got over a dozen different LEDs in here, a backfeed motor, speaker, of course, real metal components, again, to get that feel and all that function that you're looking for. This thing was inspired by fans. This thing is built for fans. And we built this with cosplay in mind. We've even got a stand so you can adorn this above your fancy fireplace. And when <laughs> it's not there, you can take it out to the next Ghostbusters or con event and impress everybody. Um, I'll quit talking. And, and Jason, would you like to do the honors? And uh... I, It would be my pleasure. Oh, thank <laughs> right. you. It's fired up. This is the Neutrona one I wanted as a kid. And <laughs> honestly, as I opened the case, I had to triple check that I picked up the right one because... <laughs> It's like identical. It's insane how well you got this right. Uh, but the best part. Oh. Yeah. oh. And it vibrates oh, yeah. in my hand. It's amazing. I, <laughs> you really feel it in your throat. <laughs> I mean. This is also, this is a great detail. Uh, I mean, this is like a filmmaking detail. You can see the light that they put this uh, in here. And the whole idea was to get light on the actors' faces as they're firing. Huh. There it is. <laughs> and even an intensify now to, to crank up the action. Oh, yeah, too. yeah, yeah. Hold, hold on while I intensify. <laughs> <laughs> and that's there it is. incredibly badass. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, thank you guys. There, hold on. You could please stay on stage for one more minute. Yeah, yeah sure. One yeah. Minute. Now, one final thing before we end this. You know, one of our guiding principles, I'm going to set this guy down over here so I don't break it and ruin everybody's day. <laughs> one of our guiding principles as we were developing this line is that Anybody can be a Ghostbuster. Mm. And frankly, nobody is more deserving of that honor than you two, Jason and Ivan. Um, so out of appreciation and gratitude to you guys, to everybody at Sony, everybody at Ghost Corps, we wanted to uh, gift these to you guys. Thank you oh. very much. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is amazing. So please uh, open them up. Uh, this is a copy of Tobin's Spirit Guide. <laughs> Oh, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have now been immortalized as Ghostbusters for you. <laughs> oh, my God. Woo! <laughs> uh, uh, I'm totally embarrassed. Uh, well, uh, from all of us at Hasbro, thank you for letting us be part of your wonderful world, and uh, we look forward to the great success and Ghostbusters for years to come. So thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Well, that was some, uh, some wonderful, amazing, awesome news. I'm so excited for insert name of thing here, and uh, oh shoot, I forgot to press record. No, yeah, I made that up. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> All right. 
Well, let's get into our discussion topic. Uh, sure. the, the imperfections of Ghostbusters. This is one that I've been actually looking forward to. I, I sprung it on you a couple weeks ago, and we were like, eh, we should think about that. Let's not do that quite yet. <laughs> I said, yes, give me two weeks to think about uh, it and perhaps he, rewatch the movie. Yeah, I have done totally. neither. Well, and, and the good news is, I mean, I, I caught, uh, they did a, a, another one of their back-to-back Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters 2 screenings on AMC. And yeah, I heard. I, I, people were tweeting about it. it was yeah, like, and, and it ended up working out really well because I was watching that and I was watching it with the, with this in mind and uh, it, it sort of highlighted all of those things that I've caught and I think of and I just have either... You know, it it doesn't look like anything to me. I've I've Westworlded it out of my head for some reason. Um, but so so here's here's kind of the premise of this. Whoa, what was that? Sorry, <laughs> I grabbed. I have a laser level leveler, and the the cat was playing with it, so I grabbed it and it went off. Oh, man, um, but she's she's now really confused that the red laser beam has. Yeah, what? Yeah, the cat is is like, what's going on? Uh, Can I get her to, get her to chatter? Nope, she's no, she's no. no. Uh, all right, so so here's the premise <clears throat> of the conversation. Uh, Ghostbusters, we have talked about it now for five years on a podcast. We all look at these movies favorably. Uh, we love them. We adore them. They can do no wrong. However, it can be acknowledged that they are not perfect films. There's no such thing as a perfect film. Whatever film scholar is telling you that X, Y, or Z is a perfect film, they're lying to you. There is no such thing as a perfect film. They use they use the term near perfect or near pra- perfect. practically yeah. perfect, which is another way of saying near perfect. Well, and, and Ghostbusters, the original film, is one of those films that came together in such a short amount of time with so many untested different things that were going uh, behind the scenes for the special effects and for the the music and a, a whole lot of things that can introduce, you know, gaffes or errors or continuity things. And when we reached out to you all and we said, what are the imperfections of Ghostbusters that always kind of you bump on or you always catch uh, the the continuity those kinds of gaffes are the ones that you uh, you all seem to call out and we can get into those a little bit but there are all there's creative choices that were made that you kind of look at those and go huh why was that done and th- those are kind of the ones that I want to focus on um, because there are a few that I, I think even Ivan Reitman, when you hear him in the commentaries, he's like, yeah, in hindsight, I am not really proud of that shot. Or that's not like my favorite shot. Or I wish I could go back and redo that special effect like George Lucas. Um, so I don't know. How do you want to do this, Chris? Do you want to call out a couple things? I can call out a couple things. We can reach into the uh, the hat here and pull out some of everybody's. You, you, uh, you reach into the hat. I'll just respond. I have okay. to. The cat is licking the empty tequila decanter. Get out of here. <laughs> you. Cat problems. The imperfections hey. of Chris's cat <laughs> coming soon to a CrossRip episode near you. I think she's you. broken. Um, yeah, I'll, so I'll start. I mean, the one that always inevitably, and I tried to mention it on our, our commentary that we did on that, that Blu-ray Steelbook edition, um, during the cross the streams scene, arguably one of the most famous scenes outside of, you know, Slimers, He Slimed Me, which is, uh, John Cave has got a fun one about that too. But during the cross the stream scene, all of the guys are wearing the stunt packs and I can't get over it. Every single time I'm looking in the background and I'm thinking, 
they have foam packs on. There's no detail. They're not wearing their hero packs. And it makes sense because they're about to do, you know, a a run and a jump as they're dodging uh, Stay Puft's flaming hand as they run away. Um, but it's, it's such a, it's a close up on all four of them and it's such a, an iconic moment and it's such a pivotal, pivotal moment, uh, in, in the movie itself. Um, but they're not wearing their hero proton packs and it's the strangest thing to me. I, I'm sure in the heat of the moment when they were, uh, you know, filming, uh, they just had to get these shots. There was no time to throw the, the hero packs on the guys are all crouched down. Maybe they didn't want to wear the hero packs for whatever reason, um, it, it's just always one of those things that I bump on and it, ca- it catches my eye every time. And it's even worse on the AMC, uh, broadcast, uh, because they, they, you know, bump up the blacks and you see those details that you usually, they're kind of hidden a little bit better in the, the color graded versions of the movie. But that's, that's what, do, do you bump on that at all? Do you ever catch that tiny, terrible <sighs> detail? And I, I looked at the ones people sent in and there's a bunch of them that I will, that I can't get away from. The packs has never been a problem for me. Yeah. But then again, I'm not a, like, I'm not a, <laughs> I've never built my own pack, nor did I write a book about them. So uh, it's just not my thing here. But the effects and all that, oh. Well, yeah, there are. Be the, the first first podcast with an audio recording of a kitten being tied up. <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> Dear PETA, no animals were harmed in the filming or recording of this podcast. Um, yeah, stern talking to. Yeah, I think that's the, like, it's not necessarily a, a, like, oh, that's that ribbon cable's in the wrong position, or or that ion arm is broken, or that those types of details, especially in this scene, it's like, that yeah. definitely looks like a hunk of, uh, you know, uh, foam I- rubber. I've looked before and can see it. It just, it doesn't pop out. I actually it just have to doesn't, stop yeah. and go looking for it. But so here I, I'm going to uh, reach into the hat and pull out John Yerkeba's, uh his, his imperfection of Ghostbusters that when Peter is lying on the floor after Slimer uh, gets him and he's rolling around going, ah, ah, he slimed me. Where's his proton pack? Like he's lying flat on his back and he's rolling around and, and this, you know, terrible, uh, a hunk of uh, multi-pound machinery is behind him, but it's obviously his foam stunt pack. And, you know, Bill Murray has a little more leeway as to what he can do and roll around on. And uh, yeah, I, I get that. That's the one where it's like, I definitely see that the stunt pack is there and you go, wait, wasn't he? Uh, whatever. It's you're, you're paying more attention to the comedy of the moment or the absurdity of the fact that he just got slimed. Uh, to to notice it, or at least that's probably what what Ivan Reitman and Sheldon Kahn were thinking. Like, oh, people won't yeah. really care about that because they'll be too focused on the laugh. They'll be too focused on the joke. Well, um, the other thing too is eighty four was still kind of like early days for home video, and the people who did have home video, it was man, that was speak talk about uh, mad money in order to to buy into that right. hobby. So a lot of the times they were like the most likely place was it was going to be seen on TV and now she's licking my scissors. Does anybody know what the cat psychology? I swear to God, this is what is wrong with you? Uh, the cat just wants in. your attention. I get, apparently. Uh, okay, but um, the the comedy is worn off. Get out of here. Your cameo's over. Um, 
you know, they, they look at this stuff and they, you know, it's going to whiz by on a TV, TV screens, even then were not, most people didn't have huge ones. Like I, there was a lot of stuff that I think they, you know, they quite clearly went, who's going to notice never accounting for a world with, you know, 4k, uh, UHD, uh, Blu-ray home video, yeah. right. On, on a, on a, on a screen that dwarfed even some of the, the massive, you know, uh, whatever the, the, those, the, the, the CRTs that reflected off of a mirror and you know, whatever the, those things were, uh, I knew people that had them. They were the rich people in the neighborhood. We didn't like, <laughs> we still came over to watch stuff on it though. Um, but the, but the thing is, yeah, there's so, so many things in that list. Like, um, uh, I don't even want to start listing them off, but I think, I think a lot of that came down to, you know, like the, 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 the peanut, uh, Slimer thing, right? Like they started with a model. It wasn't working. They, you know, they made a little green nut with green peanut with, you know, put a little, little arms on it and they went good enough. And guess what? Yeah. It, it was. And it's going to be up for 48 <laughs> frames. People are going to see it on the big screen and, and it'll be gone before they process like, wait, was that a peanut? Uh, and I, I think you can also chalk that up to like, so John James, a longtime listener said he, he can never get over that damn bouncing rock that hits the uh, police barrier outside right? of 55 central park West. And, it, but it is such a fast moment in the, yep. the heat of the editorial that I'm sure that they were thinking, ah, you know, that's one of those things that we're fixated on because we're in the edit bay and we're staring uh, at this moviola trying to figure out how to put the, the movie together but when you're in the theater and you're watching this as fast as it's going by, you're not going to notice that on your first viewing, your second viewing, maybe your third viewing. Uh, only a, a bunch of nerds on a podcast in 2020 are going to be pointing out this stupid boulder hitting a, a police barrier. Um, right. So, uh, same scene. I don't know. I didn't see it on the list. Is the the hydraulic street lift <laughs> with the yeah. the, the dirt uh, drapes, whatever you want to call it, right? Like just dirty uh, canvas that that flaps around. It when fla- yeah, it flaps around, and then it kind of bounces because bounces you can tell that bit, it's on like right. a, a forklift or a hydraulic lift. Yeah, I mean, uh, there, same, there same, are- same, same with John's stunt pack, right? There's another good example of because he, he's wearing it in his medium shot right afterwards, yeah. isn't he? Because he's got the straps on at least. He yeah. Well, it cuts to that close up of his like head. It's like uh, it's top of head to shoulders, uh, yeah. super extreme close up where and you I'm don't really there, care about where the pack is. I yeah. can't. I'm trying to recall. Do you see the straps or not? But the point is, is the bit where he's lying on the floor. It goes by so quick. And again, their assumption was at best we maybe saw it a couple times in theater, maybe on TV, and um, it, uh, it 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 it. We're so wrapped up in the excitement of, you know, the, you know, the, remember that's a really high action, you know, high tension scene, right? And Ray's running and we're following him and. Uh, <sighs> <laughs> uh, you know what? You knocked over Lord Cthulhu. You get to deal with him tonight. There you go. That's what happens when you mess with Cthulhu. Dumb cat. Anyways. Anyways. Hey, guess what, everybody? I'm a cat owner. There it <laughs> it's is. It's become uh, apparent. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, the Bouncing Rock, there's a lot of stunt stuff going on on that one. It's switching around. So the the hydraulics, the bouncing hydraulics, and the, the, the dirt uh, canvas. Um, well, the, the Bouncing Rock, so Brian actually brought that one up, too. When the street gets torn up, uh, there's that one shot where you actually see the Ghostbusters, like, 
behind the rock, like waiting to be revealed. Um, there's a couple of those where, again, where, where if you crank the, the brightness and the contrast on your TV or you watch it on AMC, either way, those yeah. little things that used to be hidden in the shadows, you really can catch those. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I also, I, I chalk that up to the fact that they shot 50% of that at 55 central park West on the actual New York uh, location. And then they shot yep. another 50% of that on the Columbia lot where, uh, you know, uh, continuity I'm sure was really difficult. I'm sure they were dealing with, uh, looking at their Polaroid photos and trying to put two and two back together. Um, and then the other part of that is it's a complicated sequence. Even back then, uh, we're spoiled now by avid, uh, you know, nonlinear editing and you can just cut to another take or you can pull, you know, it was very difficult probably sitting there looking at all the different takes and figuring out the best way to do it. So, uh, yeah, I think just a lot of those things you can attribute to, uh, to how fast and, and when the film was made. Um, yeah, I mean, the whole premise of this thing is it's not a perfect movie. It has flaws. The weird part is, is the fact that initially we missed and didn't care about any of these weirdly enough, almost gives it a couple extra points back. Yeah. You overlooked it the first time you saw it. Uh, you, you filled in, uh, the missing letters and the word because you were watching it and your brain just automatically did it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it might've it's time to go old man. Uh, it might've been, you know, a simpler time too. Like I, who knows now? That's true. I, I, you know, the, the me who saw it at 10 years old, then 11 years old, then maybe wasn't quite as cinematically savvy as the kids going in now. I don't know, but well, um, I, that, that's the one that I, I chalk up to in Ghostbusters too. Cause the other one that really always bothers me is there's three very specific scenes. The very beginning where Dana Barrett is uh, walking toward her apartment and the buggy takes off. Uh, when the guys are walking, when they've got the, the Geiger meter and they're walking out to check out the, the, where the buggy stopped in the middle of the street. Yeah. Um, there's skiers walking in the background and I'm not talking like, <laughs> but you know, it's like guys in their ski pants and jacket with their hat on carrying their skis and boots. Yeah. Um, and it, it just, it, it reeks of that 1980s, like, oh, we're in New York city. We got to have punk rockers with like mohawks and leather jackets. And this is New York city. But then you stop and you think like, <laughs> where are these guys going where's to? The, where's where are the they coming ski? from? <laughs> ski They're on the Island of Manhattan. Oh, okay. Sure. Maybe they went upstate or, but, but they wore their ski clothes there on the subway. I don't, well, I, I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe somebody who lives, Ryan Espen, call in, please. Let us know. Can you hop on the subway? And are uh, there any like hills out in, you know, I don't maybe, know, where can, where, where can it, you take them? I mean, I guess I, I get that they were trying to sell that it was wintertime. Wintertime, near yes. Near Christmas. How do we put, you know, people in hats and gloves and jackets and make it read like it's wintertime. Oh, I don't know. Let's have skiers walking in the background. Again, weirdly enough, they may have decided that visually that was a near subconscious sell of the idea that it was cold in wintertime. Do you know what I mean? Like to just, the only other thing they could have done was what people walking by with sleds. Like I don't, I don't. Uh, Yeah. But, and, and part of that sequence isn't, that's part of the, when, when they, when they find the honeypot, uh, that's 
L.A., isn't it? They're actually shooting that sequence in L.A. out in front of mm, Libby's uh, coffee shop. No. So that that first part is New York, and then the reverse when they're digging up the street, that's L.A. That's L.A., yeah, yeah. Okay, so... Which is so another thing. Which is another thing to try and consider. Like they, because um, I remember one of my early shot on sites. I followed that on Google Maps. You actually can. It's it's uptown. Uh, uh, it's to the east, upper eastern side of Central Park, I think, if I recall correctly. But um, but yeah, uh, the, them. You're looking westward. If I think it was right, like. Back yeah, the way they came towards the day, Dana's, and then it cuts whereas to the at nighttime, nighttime they're yeah. flipping the opposite direction, and and yeah, the most you see from the direction they should have been looking at before, again, is down the road where the you know Libby's is, sort of thing. It's 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 a it's a a weird little cell that again, we just never thought about, and it it, it worked fine. Um, well, and, and there's obviously a little bit of a time jump there because they need to go get all of their construction equipment, and you know they they yeah. somehow dig up uh, construction barriers to block off the street and. Uh, there's there's a, a big leap of faith that you're taking there that these yeah. guys have done all of these things. Yeah, it's um, I I I don't know. the 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 funniest part is is if this was some sort of um, extras casting slash costume department joke, like they just <laughs> here put this on and walk through the scene and it just it. You know, like they have their own reasons for why they did it, and we'll never know, right? Like we've uh, we've spotted yeah. it, and we can't figure out why. I'm sure like, it was it was some second AD that was trying to wrangle all of the extras, going, "All right, you, you're uh, getting back from the ski slopes. You, you got back from the grocery store. You, you're going to work now. Mm-hmm. Go." But here's the thing: speaking, the there's a parallel in the first one, and I, I've pointed out before. He's a favorite of mine, as in terms of a, 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 a what is going on here. When Ray pulls up with the uh, the car, and you know they're putting up the sign, and they're supposed to be selling the idea of they've renovated the the space. <laughs> yeah, you watch a guy with a twelve foot two by four walk away, like he walks down. <laughs> it's like, where are you, where going, are you going with, with that two by four? <laughs> like he's just got this giant piece of wood walking away. From from everything, I mean, the, yeah, those are like but the again, old it's, Hollywood it's, remnants of like, let's just walk back and forth with this plate glass window. <laughs> like, yeah, but the whole idea doing? again is, and I, I think it's the same thing. Like, <laughs> like the, we see Peter yelling up at uh, who's it, Vinny? You don't think it's What's too it? subtle? Do you don't huh? think it's yeah, too subtle? Yeah. Was his name? But yeah, anyway, and then you know, uh, swings down. Ray pulls up, nearly runs him over. You know, everything relaxed. We got the car. So again, trying to sell the idea that it's early days and they fixed it up from when it was a you know a unique fixer up opportunity. Yeah, they just throw this guy in, and he's not even heading towards it. You know what I mean? To suggest that he's heading yeah. in, like or a guy, a guy with a tool belt and you know something walking walking towards the yeah. fire. No, uh, dude. Dude with a, a perfectly good, completely uncut. It's like, I'm just like, taking this raw lumber back out because we don't need it. it. Yeah, it, it could have been. It could have been a Dan Aykroyd special. Okay, this is the extra wood, and he's taking it back to the truck. It's like, yes, that completely reads. Thank you, Dan. I don't know. I mean, I I do feel, especially with the you know the scope of these movies is huge, and and it yeah. makes you appreciate when you watch. 
you know, a, a big movie like, um, you know, Force Awakens or Rise of Skywalker. And there's these huge scenes where there's 75 extras and they've all got something to do and they've all got costumes and half of them yeah. are aliens. And it's a huge undertaking in it. And the AD department, those assistant directors, you know, that we're sitting here poking fun, but they've got a really difficult job to do. Um, but They do, although weirdly, the, you know, by the time they, let's put it this way, by the time they, uh, when was Jurassic Park? The year 92? after? Oh, yeah. no, it was a few years after yeah. the second one. Yeah, okay. But the point is, in that very short period of time, eight eight years, we went from, you know, the you can see the, the, you can see pieces of the action through inserts, you know, over top and, you know, uh, uh, overlays are kind of janky and all that. We'll, sure. we'll talk about those yeah. in a minute, sort of thing. To Jurassic Park, where it's like, oh, yeah, there's a huge flaw for one frame the T-Rex disappears. And we're like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, <laughs> well, what? Yeah, yeah and, and uh, <laughs> point in case, you know, we do live in an, in an era where, oh, there's one frame missing. We'll just double that frame. Or, hey, that background extra is looking directly into the camera. You know what? I'm just going to roto that guy out. Or I'm going to yes. uh, slip this out of sync and you'll never see that guy move. Um, well, so, speaking speaking of that perfect example, one of, one of, one of the flaws that, I noticed early on and I can never not see is when they're doing the, the, the crunchy bar scene, there's a guy in a blue sweater walking past them and everybody's supposed to be not paying attention to the camera and he can't help it. Like he walks and as he's walking right between them, like he's framed between the three actors in the big gap, he just looks right at the camera and then looks away again. It's like, Uh. and almost looks away almost to the point that I'm pretty sure somebody behind the camera was like, gesturing at him to like oh totally don't. yeah i mean you you can hear you can hear ivan reitman seething uh on some of these where it's like oh god that was the best take that was the best performance that was the best joke but that joker back there is carrying the two by four out of the firehouse <laughs> son of a son of a so that, so yeah and again in today's yeah they would just like there's his face when he's not looking at the camera could you just swap it over yeah let's just for for three frames please paint Thank that you. guy out yeah um, so, all right. So, so speaking of painting people out, uh, you mentioned special effects. A lot of people mm. mentioned special effects. A lot of things we can chalk up to the optical printing process when it, everything was photochemical. Special ed effects. Am I right? Yeah. That was a terrible joke and I no. apologized. I apologize to the, uh, the, uh, the educational support that was community. Horrible. <laughs> um, but all right. So moving right along. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the uh, the gargoyle, uh, obviously that one. Uh, even yep. on the commentary, Ivan Reitman, uh, Joe Magic, they all pointed out that you can see through the transparent, optically printed gargoyle yep. uh, when Dana Barrett arrives at her apartment complex. They've actually kind of tried to fix that one a couple of times. Like the DVD, they darkened it. The Blu-ray, they've yeah like, rotoed it out and and made it not uh, opaque, or, or they've made it opaque. Um, but, uh, I, I I did my own version of that. It's not terribly hard. It's just not something they've ever committed to a print, I guess. Yeah, I mean it's it's tough because there's a lot of movement. You've got the taxi cab that drives you know right through it, and yeah. if if this were a George Lucas special edition, you know they would completely redo it and CG that gargoyle, and no, there'd but be you a drone shot to. moving into it. Well, but. but the copy that I have is basically you you take the gargoyle before the cab drives through it, slap it on top of you know, over the, the, the running frame and 
then all of a sudden it's opaque, right? Like, yeah, yeah. So you and cannot see the cab through it. Because the thing is, is that while there is, if you stop and stare at it, you realize that you can actually, because of the the gradient of the colors underneath, you are looking at the road. There's the sidewalk. There's the shadow. There's yeah, the you're tree. Everything yeah. you can, but you have to really look at it. If you if you if you if you don't see the movement of the cab underneath, it reads a stone. Like you're just like, oh, it's a gargoyle. So, and this is the thing. I, I, I dream of the day. Okay, so I've lived long enough to see a third Ghostbusters. Now I just want to live long enough to see them, like things have gotten so cheap uh, that they go back and they just do some simple touch. I'm Do not redo huge things. <laughs> no, 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 no. But yeah. but we it's it's simple enough and, it, and getting close to cheap enough now to go back. You know, if we can make it to, the, where are we at? 50th anniversary. Listen to me, Sony. Harken on to me. Um Real simple fixes, like the you know the 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 cab underneath the uh, the word for the stone animal thingy gargoyle. Thank gargoyle, you. yeah. Uh, or stone up animal the, thingy that will also be accepted. <laughs> uh, is it Dustin complaining about a particular light bulb that we'll get to in a minute, or um, the other one is um, that really terrible uh, Stay Puff uh, church scene, uh, and it is short. Yeah. It is so short frames. Like if somebody could just go in and lock down a couple of pieces, it'd be infinitely better. Yeah, more of a remaster than than anything. Um, That's a good way to put it. A, re- a, a, yeah. a digital remaster. <laughs> and digital has a little asterisk, and the asterisk says <laughs> we touched a couple of things. Well, and, and a lot of that, again, it depends on the presentation of what you're watching. So uh, a lot of these things are very noticeable when you're on a broadcast, you know, like the AMC uh, yep. version where you know when you watch um when you watch empire strikes back on uh, uh TNT every time they show it on every holiday now you notice the mat lines around the tie fighters and the millennium falcon and everything yes. that's against a black background because they have cranked like those blacks are not crushed they've cranked all of those shadows up and you're seeing the mat lines that are hidden usually when you're watching the movie yeah anywhere else uh so i th- i think you know, maybe Ivan Reitman, things that have been bugging him for years about that film that he's even called out, but he's looking at a new color grade on the the awesome UHD 4K Blu-ray disc. And yeah. he's like, oh, thank goodness you finally fixed that. Uh, and then somebody uh, at their home uh, setup has their <laughs> brightness totally cranked up and they look at it and they go, oh, you can still see through the gargoyle. And somewhere Ivan Reitman's like, ah. Yeah, ah, I tried. Um, the little peanut slimer. There's a good example of a place that if they could just go in and touch it, so it, it looks like it has a transition behind the chandelier rather than just popping out of existence. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Sure. Like, yeah. Uh, these little touches would just go such a. Uh, or uh, here's a good one. Can I can think of one? This is actually a good one. Actually, I don't know if anybody put it on the list. Uh, it's in the ballroom scene. What am I talking about? What am I talking about? Come on, read my mind. <laughs> the ballroom scene, the ballroom scene. What would be the one? I'll give you a hint. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Nice shooting text. Oh, the 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 preemptive explosion? That one? The preemptive explosion and the yeah. scorch marks are already yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. That would be so easy to clean up digitally. Yeah, just, just slip it out of sync a couple of frames and you'll be okay. Yeah. Uh, we'll just, just paint over it. And then as the beam goes by, bring it back in. It would look fantastic yeah. then, right? Like, the thing that I, I just don't want them altering those hand painted, you know, going back to things being handcrafted, uh, 
This Ter- would those yes. Terry Wendell beams. You don't want to well, mess why with would those. They? Don't you know? Why would ah. they mess with Terry Wendell's beams? You know, once they crack one thing open, it's like once you give the mouse a cookie, they're like, "Well, no, I'm gonna move the beam no. over there, and it's going to hit There's that a, thing." Uh, I can tell you why they wouldn't. Would you like to know why? Why? Tell me. Money. It's a drag. <laughs> um, that's well, that's obviously. pricey. That's pricey, and not only that, they're genuinely considered perfect. So, and here's the thing. We've all learned what happens from Lucas when you mess with things you don't need to. Everybody goes, what? Like, it it does not help the end result. Uh, Or you tinker one thing and you break five others, uh, which we noticed with And here's the the, the weird thing. Well, then it becomes a weird catch-22 of do we spend the money to do this on things people aren't going to – like, I can see that – sometimes executive hands get in the way going, oh, no, if we're spending the money, we want people to notice. Well, if, you've, if you're touching things people notice, they're probably not going to like it. What you really got to do is it, it, it's literally, it's like literally justifying the, the, the remastering of the print and the color yeah. grading. Most people will not notice. They'll notice it and enjoy it. They just won't consciously notice it so same thing here right like these little fixes to well, these little uh, yeah, things just a little restoration i think so matt provencal uh one of the things he called out was there's a mat so of of when when stay puff's foot comes into the frame and you see dana's apartment like that that shot of the stay puff uh, foot stomping down um he always catches there's a little bit of a wobble and flicker on the far right side of the frame and that that's, 100% that, that's the optical that? printing that's the the low shot looking up the as he steps on the church looking up yeah i know exactly yeah. the one he's thinking that, of too it's, the, yeah. the apartment building is is literally flickering around the like building it's just is not flickering locked in position. and the scaling of the church is off and like the whole but every, everything about that shot you can tell that it was layered on an optical printer like five different times um yeah so, I think, but that's I think the kind you can get away with clean the, up. Yeah. yeah, you can get away with the scale of the church, I think, but the the apartment building moving around, not so much. Actually, you know what they could do? <laughs> the windows, the stay puffed windows. When he when he's walking, you can hide a little joke in there. There's a pool table in there. Add a couple of people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, add sure, some there movement. You go. Yeah, exactly. Add some movement. But um, well, okay. Every, so th- things yeah. that could be additive. Do you want to talk about that? Things that could could benefit from a little bit of uh, sure we covered addition. a lot of it already gargoyle uh would you bother with the bouncing rock i feel like that's one that you just want to leave untouched yeah, though. bouncing rock you want to leave that I, but yeah. but but the bouncing uh uh the boulder concrete. hitting the the what are you gonna do? are you gonna cg a, a barrier collapsing that's just gonna be no. terrible like and that's the one i'm talking about that one yeah. that one is is Actually, what it's the, here's the thing people have to decide upon. I realized the other day one of the reasons I don't listen to a lot of our our episodes is that I can't stand it when I I'm like a a spastic I don't know <laughs> hockey player on an energy. I'm like uh, deke this way, deke this way, deke this, like my thoughts are just about it, and I just heard myself do it again. It did it, and and then I get to what I'm trying to say. I really shoot apologize. The puck. Shoot, shoot the puck. It. Shoot it. Oh, you missed. <laughs> oh no. Uh, or more more likely than not, oh, he lost control of the puck. That's <laughs> me in a nutshell. But um, <laughs> um, the, I think what would be part of the process is recognizing which things a would 
go a bit too far. Like it's, it's, it takes a lot more work, but also taking them out removes a nice little nod to the era in which it was made. Yeah. Good point. Like, like, like the bouncing rock off the, off the barricade is a nice one to leave in to just remind people the era it came from. Whereas flapping fabric dirt would be better served if you just, if you just made it look like a, you know, like dirt was coming up out of the ground sort of thing. Or, um, you know, some that are just really like, that's just unfortunate. There was no way around it at the time. Others could be gotten around, but didn't work out quite as well. So like the gargoyle, um, what other ones can you think of? Well, This is the one, and this, this came from our, our cheap show friend, uh, Mr. Paul Gannon. Uh, when when Dana Barrett opens the refrigerator and she sees the triangular uh, Zool temple with the floating stairs and it cuts to that that shot of the terror dog uh, and he says Zool and you see the HMI light inside the, the yes. terror dog's mouth. Uh, My apologies to Paul. I thought Dustin was the one who sent that in, but you're right. It was, it, it was yeah, it was uh, Paul. Paul. And but 100 percent, a million times, I know uh, for for certain, I would put money on it. Every single time, that's one that makes Ivan Reitman cringe. That he's yep. called it out every time he's done a commentary. He goes, "Oh, yep. that shot." Um, it, and that's, it was that's a, it was late in the game. We didn't have <laughs> much money. We had to move along. Um, that was a set that had to be rebuilt too, wasn't it? it yeah, I mean the whole thing. They didn't have the full terror dog head anymore. It, it just yeah. So it's one of those things to me that it's always such an abstract kind of surreal dream sequence that I, I get that maybe it's just a bright light. It's sort of a headlight within the the mouth and and if it was something completely bonkers like if the terror dog shot fire out of its mouth or yeah. something it would just be it wouldn't make sense i i think in this case you just need a little bit of additive light effect that hides the bulb uh, yeah That's it. and and to to paul's uh, uh point he said in the previous versions there was just a little bit of a lens flare like that little bit of vaseline on the lens that helped hide the fact that that was a yeah. a round light uh, element um, yeah, I, that's one where I could see like, sure, add a little bit of distortion or a little bit of atmosphere or smoke yeah. or something just to kind of help, help that out a little bit. I think a rule if we, in this, this little thought experiment we've put together here is you do not mess with the craft of the time that worked. So yeah. for example, the, the, the hands and vague faces stretching through the door, Frighteners proved you could do so much more, right? Don't though. That oh, was yeah, actually a no, really cool effect for the time. That yeah. worked. Um, the cloth, I'm going to keep going back to the cloth, the cloth hiding the hydraulics in the, the, the LA shot of the lift scene at 55 Central Park West. That is uh, not the best that it could be right. That, that was, they did the best they could. Don't get me wrong, uh, with this, you know, set design and the hydraulics and all that for the effect. Uh, but hiding all that hydraulics, the only, the best option they had was this cloth sort of thing for easy access yeah. and all that didn't really work. Cause they get bad luck, a little bit of a breeze or whatever. And it just moves around. Uh, so I think that's a good rule. Um, uh, yeah, so perfect example, the the rail that Dana's uh, chair rides in on. 
<laughs> that's a they good could, one. They could take yeah. that out. That's an easy takeout. That's out. an easy paint out. Yeah, it exactly. doesn't. It doesn't yeah. bother me much. Some people talk about it like it's glaring, and I really don't think it is for the most part. For especially for the straights, you know what I mean. But um, it it it's an easy fix that one. And again, best they could at the time, but it couldn't perfectly hide everything. Like, yeah, what's a good that, example? That's that's like a Dana's, change that they could make, and only a handful of us would realize. Like, oh, they they painted the ground out there. That's that's yeah. new. Yeah, Dana's uh, Dana's lift when she levitates, flawless stage. You know, like yeah, stage effect execution. All uh, all of those, like the Pepper's ghost effects for all of the ghosts. Like, I would never want them to touch those and no. recomposite those. Those and, things work yeah. so well compared to equivalent design work that they put into making the chair uh, run into the kitchen. Top of their game. They did as best as they could. They hit it as best they could. And they got, what, 98% of the way there. Yeah. Fair fair game. Easy enough to go in and just sort of paint that out. I think that's another good uh, one. Now here's, and, and forgive oh, me, I didn't put Also, 50% more, no, not 50, 150% more Coca-Cola cans in Dana's fridge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll just throw a, a few more signs and machines in the background. Um, <laughs> if, if, if you had the opportunity, because a couple of people have called out, and I, I didn't put it in our rundown, so I don't have them uh, readily available, but the, the Phil Tippett stop motion terror dogs, uh, which, you know, uh, no. to... Yeah, I mean, I would no. never want to see those the CG rule, redone, perfect completely example. composited. Perfect in. example of the rule I came up with. Those terror dogs, top of the game at the time. Top of the game. And they, they work exactly as best as they could at the time. I would not change a thing about them. Yeah, but so would you consider, I don't consider those an imperfection. Like the stop no. motion stuff, I never considered an this imperfection is, until yeah, this, no, uh, this experiment no, on, yeah. on social media. No, it is completely yeah. not because that's like complaining that, um, uh, uh, was it Harryhausen's um, uh, skeleton swordsman don't have any motion blur to them. Uh, like, well, King Kong, he, like that armature he couldn't do Kong. it, right? Yeah. Like. Oh yeah, or or uh, King Kong, where the the stop motion, the fur does that weird, twitchy thing because he's being touched over and over and over again, and it, that is the the peak game, and it and it worked. Here's the thing: that track in the floor, it was the same problem back in '84 as it is to us today. In 1984, those terror dogs were not a problem. They yeah. were amazing to us. And it's not their fault that 35 years later, like eight years later, they had to like, they had to burn incense and sacrifice goats <laughs> to get the one machine powerful enough to chug for like three months to get, you know, a single shot out for, yeah. for Jurassic Park. Now we're sitting here, anybody in their basement can redo this stuff. Like the number of people listening to this that have at some point attempted to redo, uh, and by the way, never quite get right, fair to point out, uh, redo the proton streams on their computer, Right. It's insane. So it's, you yeah, can't. Yeah, it's never quite the same. And, well, it, and this goes to your point. You were like, I don't want to see them touching the proton streams. Don't. Those streams are amazing. Uh, the transformation, again, like, yeah, maybe you could use the computers to do a smoother transit, but he did such amazing work 
uh, who? Oh boy, I forgot it his was name. Terry, now. It was Terry Wendell, Terry, right? Terry yeah. Wendell. Yeah, we talked about it before. The 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 inspiration he had to do lightning flashes and show that like he hand painted skeletons of two different animal types and, and strobe it so that your eye never catches the transformation. You don't have to morph it. You don't have to do yes. any type of blending use, of use the two a forms. Li- a, a lightning flash and the sound guys gave him like that crack of lightning, yeah. and it's like watching you know Thor transform sort of thing. You know, it was just you or Shazam transform. It's like, oh my God, that works so perfectly. So no, you don't touch that at all. Now that said, the terrible painted marble pattern on those uh, plinths, uh, (laughs) if they want to go in and give that a better texture, (laughs) I'm not going to say no. There's a, that'll, that'll be the subtlest of the subtle. They'll be like, here's $50,000 for that one guy in Canada that hates these things. Yeah. The, the, the obviously faked, uh, marble. Yeah. Marble. It's, uh, but I mean, yeah, that's, that's, that's a good point. A lot of these things were such a feat of technological, experimentation and prototyping yeah. and you know knowing, gotta, knowing what they had to do with those terror dogs and and just to figure out the perspective and the scaling of how he was going to yeah. ex, you know explode from the door and run toward the the central park wall um and and there's no motion tracking uh of course there was obviously you know a computer controlled uh motion control cameras but yeah but not for this type of compositing. It was it was all new. It was all groundbreaking. And if you touch that, you're actually messing with film history there. Like that yeah. actually brought us to the point where we are because you had exactly. to figure out a way to do that digitally. So now here's a, with the rule we've and this this is to you. I'm going to let you answer it. I kind of have my own answer, but I'm going to let you uh, tell me first. Yeah. Uh, the stunt packs. It, it'd be a little <sighs> bit of work to motion track, yeah. but you could drop in. Uh, hero quality digital packs on those guys. I, you know, if if anything, I would say just darken that area. Like drop drop the the depth of field a little bit so that it's a little more out of focus because it, it's just that one scene in particular because you're so close. It's a hero shot of of Ackroyd. It's a hero shot of Bill Murray. It's a hero shot of of Ernie. Um, it, it's. I don't know. Like you could digitally put those in there. It's they're just going to float over top of it, and it's not going to look the right way. So uh, I think you if say you, that, you say that, and that's sloppy. But I think they could do it. Here's the thing I want to point out: Ryan Dole, and I'm pronouncing his name properly this time because uh, I'm paying this respect is his to profession. His, yeah. his profession, because of the the angular geometry of the stunt packs, you it's very easy to plot points that that as they move around you can use that as as motion reference do you know what i mean like yeah oh yeah i mean it's 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 not unheard I, of i mean we're, we're living in an age done. where robert downey jr runs around in you know a, a onesie pajama and they turn him into iron man even um, what about what about not even like repl- full pack replacement but just uh some motion tracking digital cleanup to get rid of the f- the blatantly foamy bits. I think that's that's what I would I would yeah? err on the okay. side of. Like don't don't replace it. Just work with what's already there. And okay. and that's fair enough. You know, like like you would retouch a photo. You know, there's blemishes on your face in a photo. We're just gonna uh, we're gonna blur just a little bit there. We're gonna darken <laughs> a little bit there. That, like frame frame by a meticulous frame. That's what I would do, just so that you're not seeing that it's this like obviously foam rubber thing in that scene. But but Ooh. you know what? The other thing that that 
that kind of contradicts that point is exactly our thesis statement at the very top of this is it's such a a short scene and everybody is so focused on, we cross the streams, cross the streams. It would be bad. Yeah. Uh, It's that, that moment you're not looking at the packs. We're only looking at the packs because we've seen this movie 5,000 times. That's how we got this far. And that argument could be applied to everything we just talked about. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) With a few exceptions. I think the taxi cab, nothing's really distracting us from the taxi cab. Oh no, that's yeah. But like Dana, uh, and her chair being dragged into the kitchen. We got a lot. We're like really invested in at that point to worry about the track and the floor. So the argument can be placed or the guys, their first bust of Slimer, the peanut blinking out of existence, you know, two frames before the scene cuts, you know, to the next, uh, next shot. It, uh, I, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's, there's all the other, like there were a couple people pointed out the Tunguska blast of 1909, which happened in 1908. And no, that stays like that. That's just Ray. Ray has encyclopedic knowledge. He's terrible with numbers. He's a lot like me. <laughs> I was to understand there would be no math in paranormal psychology. Uh, but I mean, th- those are the types of things like, no, those are what they are. Like I would not have Dan no. Aykroyd ADR in the correct date of the Tunguska blast of 1908. No, um, no, 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 no. Again, because that reflects the script they wrote and the day of performance they gave. Yeah. And, and it's, it, uh, I don't, do you want to use this as a lead into one of the points? Do you yeah, know the one yeah. I'm talking about? No, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, go for it. Okay. Yeah. So somebody pointed out, this is one that's come up a few times, and that's the uh, 300 cc's of Thorazine. And it's <laughs> bugged them from number. It's We've discussed it because yeah. it is. We've talked about that because we're like, is Peter Venkman a creep? Is he a murderer? <laughs> is there something yeah. we should worry about here? Yeah. Oh, for the longest time, I've been concerned about it too. And I don't know that we can 100% forgive it because let's be honest here, Peter is by 2020 uh, uh, goggles is a little bit of a creep. Uh, Like the thing where she gets, like she literally gets kind of creeped out by him and sees him out the door, you know, like physically moves him out the door. And then when he tries to, you know, uh, stick his head back in, she physically shoves him out the door. Oh, uh, but and he's I, charming. And he's charming. You know, like, in 84. Yeah, the, in 2020, yeah. it's getting a little weird. Um, we also mentioned, uh, it's been discussed before, um, the bit where she goes, that's the bedroom, but nothing ever happened in there. And he goes, what a crime. A, that's already creepy. Peter, no. <laughs> bad Peter, bad. But we talked about it before. I, we once we got to the 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 high definition big screen era, it became a like kind of uh, apparent. It's like uh, Ivan used uh, the different audio from a different yeah. take. He liked the take of one because it looks like Peter's saying something along He's the lines of "not else yet." That it's either ADR or it's a yeah, it's a different yeah. take or something. Yeah. I, it it the 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 audio suits really really nicely. So I assumed that he just took because Peter's in the background. He's long in the shot. You can't perfectly see him. And again, remember they did a lot of what they're going to see it once in the theater and then on a TV. They're never going to notice, right? I think they just took the he took the performance he liked of uh, Sigourney in the foreground, but took the 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 Bill Murray. I'm doing it again. The 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 the. What is that? That's a hockey player that can't get his <laughs> stick. Oh, and Stuart uh, coughs up the puck at the blue line. The he he um, it, there was a better Bill Murray line, right? 
but again, uh, that's a twofer. It means his ad lib was creepy, and the original line that he he read, which uh, there was something creepier in there, like, creepier he in said, there. Not yet, there hasn't. Not yet. And you're it's, like, ooh, right. Oh, it's uh, uh, right there, right down to the 1984. It was <laughs> it was uh, comedy gold for a guy to go. I'm going to take Miss Dana back to her apartment and check her out. It's like, uh, so all that, Your Honor, my client. Does not have a good track record up to this point. And then uh, he uses the line talking to that he uh, uh, he basically, uh, what did he say? Whacked her up? I can't remember. Uh, yeah, and knocked her up with uh, knocked 300 cc's. Knocked her up with 300 yeah. cc's of Thorazine. Yeah. Okay, and then everybody, again, and here's the thing is, nobody really thought about it for 15, pushing 20 years, and then we started going, Hey, wait a minute. Um, well, and, and we again, living in an era where everything is at your disposal in your phone, where you can look yep. up Thorazine and its effects and uh, what's usually administered. And uh, yep. well, unless you were a medical professional that watched that scene, it was like, oh, oh now here's no. the thing. I will address one point. They made they made the point. Uh, I you have the list. I don't have it in front of me, but whoever sent it in, uh, it was a Venk Maniac. Uh, Venk Maniac. Yeah. Uh, he shouldn't be able to get it because he's a parapsychologist. But remember, he's also a psychologist, doctor of psychology and parapsychology. There is a little bit of wiggle room that he might have script rights. I I, I can't swear to that, but it's close enough that we might be able to – you might be able to just go, he can go get it. Uh, but yeah, then people go yeah. like, "Where did he get it? Did he bring it with him on the date? This is the this is the problem. Date like that's yeah, that opens up a whole can of worms that we've we've actually talked about multiple yeah. times. Where it's so like here, this gets really nefarious when problem. you start thinking about it. Yeah. Can he get it? I think the answer is yes. Like it doesn't take a, a big stretch of the imagination to go. He's a doctor of psychology in 1980s New York. Sure, he can figure that out. Two, um, the the dosage is wrong. It is a huge dosage, but here's again. It's we can logically uh, explain it away as that is a dose that would probably kill a human. By that point, she's not though. She is like possessed. How do you take down it like an interdimensional demon possessing uh, yeah, someone? Yeah, you. So you. It's not that hard I to think go. That's the joke. Is that it's like it took this much sedative amount. to to put down All a right. possessed being, a possessed thing. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Yeah. The last point is. Um, why did he bring it? There's no good answer, but I'm going to walk through something that I realized when you brought this up. When I said I didn't do much review for this, I on this one thing I did. Um, uh, and <laughs> Venk Maniac, don't feel attacked. <laughs> this is this is not to be attacking you. Rather, I was intrigued enough. Let's put it this way: one part intrigued and one part frustrated. Because like you, I'm, this thing has bugged me for the long time. Okay, I went back. Shout out to. Paul Rudolph at Spook Central, he's got uh, multiple copies of the script. You go back through the old copies, that line is not there. It is obviously a, and that, that's been clear to us for a long time. It's a Bill yeah. Murray ad lib. And actually, given it's 300 cc's of Thorazine, going to your point, I think it's a Bill Murray slash Dan, it's more of a Dan Aykroyd thing. Bill Murray is not the technical, like, yeah, factoid kind of guy. 
It's 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 somebody. It's Ivan Reitman behind the camera yelling at Dan Aykroyd, his writer, right behind him. Like, I need a sedative. What should he use? And he's like, Oh, okay. Thorazine. Uh, you brought up the th- you brought up exact line. I need I need a sedative. Why yeah. do they need a sedative? Here's the thing. Okay, you go back and read those scripts. The way it's laid out, the conversation uh, Peter and Egon has is Peter's like um, uh, he calls her. She's floating. He calls her and goes, She's floating. Uh, what was Egon's line? Does she want to be? No, I think she's possessed. Like, <laughs> and it, that was a good one, by the way. Does she want to be? That's uh, a pretty good. <laughs> it's a pretty good line. But that's, that's um, a Harold Ramis line, if I've ever heard one. But yeah. It is. But they have a little discussion about you know the keymaster and all that sort of thing. And uh, you know, Peter says, "Fine, you keep him there. I'm going to stay here tonight and keep an eye on her." And then the next time we see him is when he shows up in the morning at uh, at uh, Peck. Yeah, uh, when they're running, shutting down up. the protection grid, yeah. That is a stupid jump. Like, that makes no sense. Like, he's she's floating, and then he goes, oh, well, it's 9 a.m. I guess I better get up and go meet the guys. I think they got to that point and logically had a discussion, went, is it, it's kind of weird that he leaves a possessed floating woman in her apartment and leaves. And I think... I think on the spot, they put the head together and said, what can we do? And somebody said, he sedates her. And then, and then logically it grows from there. Dan Aykroyd being the factoid guy goes, oh yeah, uh, Thorazine, it, uh, this is the thing I didn't mention earlier. Uh, Thorazine is an antipsychotic. That's a pretty good thing to take down a demon possessed person. I'm pretty sure is an antipsychotic yeah. and a powerful, an eighties, very unsubtle, uh, one. I think Thorazine goes back to like the freaking twenties or something. It's, and there, those drugs, by the way. Brute force, but anyways, uh, and that's yeah. again, that's the nonsense that Dan really loves and keeps in his that's, head. So yeah, you can hear him in his Jimmy Carter voice talking the the meth head down when he's doing that whole like uh, whatever it is uh, on yeah. Saturday Night Live where he's got the call in line and the guy's like, oh yeah, you've taken uh, three tabs of <laughs> three tabs you know, crystal of the- head meth and blah blah blah. <laughs> um, what was it? You need to find a quiet place and some orange slices. I <laughs> yeah, exactly. But here's but, the thing: but that's a, that's a Dan Aykroyd joke. It's that's like a it's Dan a, it's a joke. chemistry yeah. joke. Yeah. It is. A, so I think what happened is they went, that makes no sense. And and it seems to grow nicely that they go, oh, if they sedate her, ama- imagine how amazing it is when he then leaves thinking she's sedated and fine, goes to the firehouse, Peck turns it off, the ghosts escape, and that is such a powerful surge of energy, it snaps her out of it. She overrides 300 cc, like a horse-sized amount of antipsychotic tranquilizer, right? I honestly think there's no good rationale for where he got it. So unfortunately, there is this kind of, did he bring it with him? But I think it has to be one of the, once I got to that point, I realized it then at that point feels a lot more like... um, it feels like an Indiana Jones level logical inconsistency. Do you know the one I'm talking about? The day to night jump. You're talking about that one. Cause that, no, no, that's, the, that's if, what always if, bugs me in that. If Indiana Jones did nothing, if he stayed home oh. and graded papers, yeah. the movie plays out exactly, <laughs> exactly the, the same. same way. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, who was it? Somebody asked, uh, did somebody ask Frank Darabont or did Frank Darabont ask one of the people who were I don't know somebody I think it was somebody asked Frank Darabont about it and he said just don't go picking it there's some things that you just you just don't pick at the yeah. logic of it or everything falls apart and there's a they had a really clunky bit there like you read those original scripts uh does she want to be floating good line but it is super weird that 
he's gone to her apartment. She is this woman that he's kind of got a thing for. She's possessed and floating and fully conscious floating. He stays the night to keep an eye on her and then leaves. Like what? Yeah, I locked the door. It's fine, everybody. Like so, I yeah, think. Yeah. Why did he leave her alone? Why did? Yeah, exactly. There, there is a weird kind of logic flaw there where it's like it feels. I like sedated I said, her. I'm going to leave her here. He believes that she's just going to stay knocked out, and then and then you listen to it. He's like, I knocked her, uh, knocked her out with 300 cc's of Thorazine. She's going to take a little nap right now. A little nap that now. last bit. That's a Bill Murray wobbly. That's that's a yeah. what's what's a the Bruce a Dernsey? That's a a, a, a Mersey. That's 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 a that's a Bill Murray a read Mersey. right there. Uh, <laughs> I'm patenting that, by the way. But um, yeah, there's I like I said for the longest time it was super uncomfortable. It's still kind of like oh, I said. Oh, yeah, it's still especially now in in light of the era that we live in, it's still kind of creepy. But the, of the three things that add up to creepy, and again. I, there's no defense of the creepy stuff leaving up to it. However, as fans, if we're trying to find that logical out, leaving him at just charmingly creepy as opposed to problematically creepy, uh, and let's put it this way, even even then, he got nowhere near Lewis Tully in Milne's novelization of the movie. Oh, well, yeah, that's a Anyways, whole other, let's not whole get other that. thing but yeah, there. I think that I always kind of attribute that one to a Dan Aykroyd, like, I don't know, just say 300 cc's of Thorazine. That would knock out an elephant. And yeah. like, okay, go, sure. I think uh, I, I think it's actually, now that I think about it, I like it to think of it as, as, as a, a good example of the teamwork that kind of pulled this movie together. I think Reitman and Ramis probably sitting around going, this is, uh, it does not. And remember, this is being shot back in LA. So they, you know, they're, they're a good way in. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, I think, I it would help if we knew the shot orders, but I think all it would do is help reinforce some of the, the, the point of this. But I think they got into it and went, you just really, a, a demon possessed woman who's about to help destroy New York floating in her apartment. And then you head off to see what the guys are up to. Like, I think they went that, no, yeah, we, we, need she to, need- we need to have her, uh, you know, incapacitated so that we can get to the next step. And yeah, and, it was, and it was they, a quick rewrite. They, yeah. They've talked about stuff in the movie before where they just got some naturally, they did some stuff and it led to some more naturally better stuff out of it. And I think this was it. They went, that is a bad transition. And like I said, <sighs> Reitman yeah. going, yeah, imagine, imagine then that we need her to wake up and instead of like, as opposed to what Peck turns off the containment unit and she stops floating, steps down into her room and blows out the window. Imagine if she's lying on the bed, snoring away and, and as we see it and her eyes snap open because the release of psychokinetic energy, like again, it just sells, it just subtly sells this idea of you know, science, uh, you know, put her to sleep and it got over, like shit is going down so bad that she, 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 it snapped her out of it. Again, I, it does not answer the third question, which is, there's no rationalization for the third question, which is where did he get it from? Why did he bring it? Yeah. But I think, I think it has to be left as kind of this fuzzy, uh, uh, this fuzzy thing of it solved uh, a bigger plot problem and yeah. we just have to fill it in. We either have to ignore it or maybe put in some half-assed answer of he ran downstairs to the 
pharmacy before uh, it closed. Yeah, like we yeah, just it's 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 a Vulcan nerve pinch. It's like what is it? What nerve is it pinching? What? Why did it knock him out? I don't know. Whatever. That guy's knocked out for a while. Great. I don't have to deal with him. I yeah. mean, if they made the movie today. Dana would have some vague background of of mental health treatment, and because of that, it'd be sitting in her thing, right? Like, is it everything I has th- to be explained? Everything now. has yeah, to be explained. Just, yeah. Whereas, so that's that's a uh, uh, Vink maniac again. I, 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 your point is completely valid. Uh, everything you brought up was a completely fair point, but like I said, I've been staring at this problem too for so long and two of them i i felt comfortable knocking down for the longest time that third one really bugged me until yeah, i went back and reread the earlier scripts yeah. and then i went oh i think i know what ha-. it doesn't explain it but i i can actually kind of see probably what happened in production that led to the line to solve this problem. So anyways that's yeah I'll walk away yeah it, it became something else but it yeah I mean, so. and that's when i i feel like we could maybe continue to unpack uh, five years down the road from here and just keep figuring that whole sequence out. But um, so, so other ones that were, were mentioned um, I'll just quickly rattle through them here. Uh, Obviously the uh, gear showing in the background, you know, pointing out the, the stage hand who's either cueing Bill Murray behind Janine's desk. Uh, There's that one. Uh, Gozer blasting the guys. Then you see that kind of like a ratchet pull or like a boom mic in the background, uh, just production <laughs> kind of flaws like that. Those are yeah, inherent again to the time. Sure. They could paint those out. Um, let's see what else is on here that we haven't really talked about. Transparent gargoyle, transparent gargoyle that happened a couple times through our, our conversations. Yeah, <laughs> movie facts. Uh, new uh, one of our new followers. Movie facts. The one that I liked. He said when they approach Gracie Mansion in the cop car in Ghostbusters two, all four of them get out of the back seat of the car. LOL. Um, uh, stick a pin in that one because you know what we. I think only twice we touched on the second movie. <laughs> we yeah, mostly I covered like we the. Need to come back hey, to we, this, we'll have to come back to the part two yeah. uh, for the second movie. But yeah, so so let's do that. Uh, let's let's keep this open ended. Uh, if there are other imperfections, uh, not necessarily just sort of the you know gear in the shot, uh, optical printing things, but but those kind <coughs> of like either glaring issues or creative choices that were made within the film that you kind of bump on or you bristle on. Uh, reach out to us. We'll we'll do another episode <laughs> like this in the future. I'm sure uh, because it's a, a topic that can continue to be discussed at great lengths. If uh, and if you haven't listened to our commentaries, you should because I think we get into a few things there. And as the well. Thorazine definitely we've talked. We about. We definitely yeah. got into. I yeah. think also it's while it's on the 35th anniversary commentary we did for the disc. I think in one of our commentaries I bring it up to uh, my absolute favorite, and there's no way to fix this flaw, nor should they. It's the the news crew that gets divided by the ecto <laughs> at the very end of the movie. Uh, yeah, the, um, j- j- just briefly, almost just uh, decapitating the roof rack of the automobile. <laughs> yeah, uh, go watch it. They they back up, and as they uh, they, uh, they finish backing up, and then pull to drive off down the street. Uh, watch for it. A uh, reporter with his uh, uh, corded microphone ends up on one side of the Ecto's hood. Uh, the cameraman and producer ends up on the other side, to which you see some frantic gesturing as they realize what's uh, happening. We're tethered. What do we do? And as yeah. the car is about to take off, producer reaches out, grabs the cord, and yanks it out of the reporter's <laughs> hand. That makes me laugh. 
every every time. single time. Yeah, that gets me every time. I, you know, I never noticed that one until you pointed it out to me. So I feel like we're and now you can't never can not see now it, it again. Can't be unseen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so hopefully this hasn't ruined the movie for any of you that haven't seen any of these things. But uh, yeah, let's let's hear from you guys. What do you think? What uh, what do you want to add to this conversation? Let us know. Voicemail, social media, hit us on any of those streams. Yes, and specifically Ghostbusters two stuff because we're going. There. Yeah, we'll do that. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go, 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 go stoppers. I'm sorry, we'll do it again. We want to hear from you. Leave us a voicemail on our call-in line at 470-242-4742. That's 4702-GBHQIC. We also have a Facebook page. You too. And Twitter accounts. Friends is dead. No kidding. Just give me the address. Search Facebook for... The Ghostbusters. Interdimensional Crossroads. On Twitter, look for Troy at Ghostbusters HQ and Chris at Proton Charger. What the hell are you doing? If you like what you hear, please take a moment to give us a review on iTunes. Be sure to recommend us to your friends. That makes good sense. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professional. Once again, our call-in line is 4702-GBHQIC. That ought to do it. Thanks very much, Ray. Chris, I feel like we are on the the precipice of what is to become the wave of uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife news. Uh, Wednesday <laughs> night we're recording this. Saturday's Toy Fair. Past uh-huh. that point is God only knows. I, I, I saw a tweet. Uh, I think the Michigan Ghostbusters looped us into the Fort McLeod people already talking about premieres, which yes. we've talked about premieres, but... I, th- I think it's probably still a little premature to talk about the premiere. We're only in February after all, and that's not till uh, you know, yeah, end of June at the earliest. I read the same article, and the same article went out of its way to say New York and L.A. premieres. And I'm like, uh, boy, uh, it's a little early. And B, I can't think offhand of the last time there was a dual <sighs> premiere. Yeah, I mean, uh, internationally, there's usually like a, this is the... Uh, yeah, European like you do premiere. You do one in Asian London, premiere. and yeah. you do one in New York or LA. But yeah, in the, in the yeah. continental United States, I can't think of any time they've done them at the same time. I I think to be honest, that sounds a little bit like um, uh, fan wish fulfillment somehow leaked into that uh, article writer a bit, uh, uh, or or a little bit of the. So it's it's the Fort McLeod uh, local newspaper that's saying that there's going to be a celebration of the movie, obviously because it was filmed there. They're going to yep. hold a premiere there, uh, but I, I think they're just making a point that it's going to be happening after whatever the big world premiere they, they is did going say to yes. be. Yeah. They did say after it's it'll happen after. Um, yeah. I think anybody can do their own thing. Um, like frankly, uh, we can take the original Ghostbusters and we can organize our own premiere right now, thirty-five years later. Like we can, we well, can do and, what we want. And it makes sense. Um, it's uh, hey Fort McLeod, thanks so much for letting us tear up your uh, your awesome town yeah. for uh, six weeks. Uh, here's here's a premiere for all of you who are involved. Uh, like a cast yeah. and crew screening more than anything. Yeah, a cast and crew screening at a minimum. But I think, well, actually, frankly, if I was a town the size of uh, Fort McLeod. And you got a couple of big cities around it, like Edmonton and Calgary and all that. Uh, I think it'd be a fun little event to just kind of go all out, right? Like get the biggest screen you can muster, yeah. um, you know, get the word out. Cause I'm, so let's, I don't know who's in 
Saskatchewan. Yeah, there's the Saskatchewan Ghostbusters, I'm pretty sure. And then there's the Calgary and the Alberta Ghostbusters. They, uh, uh, it's to be honest, it's a trip that the Ghostbusters of British Columbia have done a couple of times. Like you could have a mini event, uh, and it wouldn't clash because um, the movie's already out by that point. So uh, yeah, yeah. This, uh, it, seem, it seems like an, uh, a, a secondary premiere, but I, a lot of people a, took this yes. as their kick into gear of like, I got to book tickets for LA and New York. And it's like, hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. We've well, talked this, about this in, <laughs> on many occasions here on the podcast. Like, don't jump to any assumptions Anything here. Anything until gonna be a, Sony slash Columbia. Uh, like, just, yeah. Mm, yeah. Do, slow down. do not assume that there's going to be a fan event uh, anywhere, just in case it doesn't happen. I don't yeah. want anybody to be heartbroken. This, because uh, th- this goes hand in hand with, uh, I posted the news about the Hasbro Pulse live stream event. Uh, and in Twitter, I put hashtag GB reveal question mark because the press release said nothing about what they were going to be showing off, but they had made a point of sending it to me and the, they wrote a letter to me like, yeah, you can put the word out. I was, I was like, okay, so there's probably going to be Ghostbusters <laughs> stuff. But at the same time, it wouldn't be the first time somebody said, you know, we're showing off our brand new G.I. Joe collection. Send it to everybody. I'm like, I don't uh, well, care. I mean, but you do bring up a very valid point. This is a very uh, f- a finite amount of time, and uh, they're talking about Star Wars, G.I. Joe, yeah. Ghostbusters, basically all of uh, Transformers, all of Hasbro's properties. I, so. don't, I don't think they're going to go nuts, and it'll be very short. The reason I, I, I put the question mark, though, is, and somebody did. I haven't responded to him yet, He said, but he's like, I paid $50 for the premium to get in on the early buys and I'm like I haven't wrote them back to point you do remember I put question mark after GB reveal because I'm I am 95% sure there'll be go the reason he spent the 50 bucks is and actually this is a good place to drop it we didn't talk about it at the top much um they're doing the live stream it's too late. By the time you listen to this, it's too late. But yeah, um, I mean, you've already heard an excerpt at this point. Pretty, in the episode, sure. Yeah. Sorry, but the point was <laughs> is that if you're a premium, like a Hasbro Pulse premium member, which apparently costs fifty bucks, uh, you get first crack. Like they show it off at the live stream, and then there's like a four hour window where Pulse members get to pre order the stuff they're seeing Whatever before it is, the public yeah. comes in. Uh, so I'm rooting for you, buddy. I'm, <laughs> and if they reveal nothing. Uh, they let's put it this way: your your membership will probably come in handy at some point because they will be selling Ghostbuster stuff. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. sure there will be some sort of uh, a, a just, pulse item. You yeah. just may have to sit on that uh, to to what's the, the to amortize a little bit. <laughs> it's, yeah, or uh, pre-order some of the Star Wars stuff. Uh, if you're into that, yeah, that, then, yeah, that's the other thing too. He might be um, he might be a little yes have summy, which is my way of saying uh, 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 pop culture. Uh, loose pop culture fans. I was going to say pop culture sluts, which is funnier, Whoa. but also kind of meaner. Yeah. Uh, but the point is, is uh, people may not be as, slut shame on this show. They Chris may Stewart. not be as laser focused uh, uh, to their fandoms as I am. So yeah, he might be, you know, keen to pick up a transformer. And um, frankly, you're cheating on Ghostbusters. I don't want to talk about it anymore. But, uh, <laughs> no, it's just. <laughs> Sore subject. <laughs> what uh, you have any other final thoughts for this uh, this here episode? I do. What you got? Cleaning up the towns out in Canada a week early, as it turns out. What a week early? Oh, that's yeah. Right. It's supposed to be the twenty eighth. The twenty eighth, and as of today, people started like somebody said, "Yeah, uh, hey. my friend Taylor posted a screenshot of me, my one sentence of fame at the beginning of that movie." <laughs> um, and I said, "Where the hell did you get this?" 
ads. I think it's like, oh, it's on Shaw on Demand. I'm like, okay. So I put the word out immediately. People are like, oh, yeah, I saw it on Telus. Yeah, I got it on iTunes. The only thing I haven't been able to confirm is Rogers. I don't know what Rogers, mm. uh, but apparently, it, basically, I'm thinking if Shaw got it and Telus got it, Rogers has it too. Google it Play has it. Yeah, any of those Apple on TV demand. has it. Yeah. All the video on demand that they, they, they said would get it on the 28th in Canada, uh, they all went, no, now, and they, they went for it. So um, Interesting. Yeah, and then immediately a bunch of Americans got really sad. <laughs> and I, I don't know what yeah. to tell you guys. It soon. is coming. Soon. Uh, it's got to be soon. It's, yeah. Everything's – you know what? B- blame your corporate – I don't know even what to call it here. Basically, what it amounts to is they started striking these deals as fast as they could everywhere all at once. Um, but the trick is, is yeah, uh, um, some uh, obviously the UK went really smooth and Canada wasn't super far behind. And I'm sure the US will. It's just taking a little longer for what whatever reason. It could literally come down to because remember the distributors want to do as best as they can both for the partners they're rep- film they're representing and for themselves so if they have two outlets that like if somebody's waving around money going exclusive 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 well yeah you'll step through that and it may take more time and I think at the end of the day it feels a lot like they're trying to get it out as far and as wide as they can so probably what it comes down to is periods of use and what the deal is like what they'll pay because here's the thing uh, Google Play Canada struck their deal. Google Play US may be, you know, kind of a bit more uh, finicky about how much they'll pay out on stuff. Who knows, right? I, we don't know. Yeah. And, but, uh, and they have Windows that they have to release things uh, because of other programming that's, that's scheduled. That's the other and, thing, too. The UK, yeah. as we've all learned, uh, all the different territories still have vastly different. Somebody complained about it today that uh, Netflix US has. Way more cool stuff, or, or not, I shouldn't say way more cool stuff. They have a lot of cool stuff that the Canadian equivalent does not have. We do not have the same the same movies. Yeah. We uh, have a lot of the same stuff, but not one hundred percent. Twenty five percent of our listening audience still has not been able to watch Mandalorian until uh, next month. So, yeah. oh, where's yeah. that? Uh, basically, all of Europe. Oh dear. Um, yeah. Oh boy. But boy. Disney Plus is coming. <laughs> Shameless plug. <laughs> Shameless plug. Unfortunately, the internet has probably ruined the cuteness for you, but oh well. Um, uh, yeah, exactly. But, but at the end of the day, um, uh, it has come up every single time it gets announced. I feel bad for the buenos because we're supposed to be celebrating that it's out, but it's inevitably followed by people complaining, why isn't it out here? And every single time they've, they've pointed out, it is being worked on. It is not not coming. It's just they don't know when. Um they are not involved in that process. They have a distribution partner for that very reason. The distribution partner will let them know as soon as they hammer it out. All they can say is the partner is talking to, uh, you know, licensors, uh, licensees, and, uh, yeah, licensees. And uh, soon enough, I mean, I can't imagine, it, I don't know, podcast bet, it'll all get sorted at the latest by the end of March. Oh, yeah. That's my well in advance of July. That's, that's I would sure. and I would yeah. be very surprised if we didn't hear in the next couple of weeks that it's about to come out sort of thing. Something. So, yeah. So, uh, so stay tuned. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, next week, uh, Toy Fair discussion, a plenty. Uh, all of the things that were announced, we'll we'll go through them in great detail and uh, hopefully you the 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 little excerpt that we played at the beginning of the show will tide you over until next Monday. But yes. uh, un- yep, until that time. See you all on the other side. Sorry about my cat. Who you gonna call? We got Thanks for joining the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossrip. 
Visit us at protoncharging.com, ghostbustershq.net, and stillplayingwithtoys.net. It used to be one of my two favorite shows. Anything you're doing is bad. I just want to let you know that. We'd like to get a sample of your brain tissue. Oh. Next week, though, Careless Pets. We're so cool.